And now, a word from our sponsors. Need a catch-up session on what you missed last week? Now you're listening to ArchD Radio, the podcast mix. Kayla Howard-Jones joining you here this evening, and I am very, very excited today to be joined by a wonderful guest, someone I haven't seen in a while, Peter Beerer. How are you going? Thank you for coming in. Great. Yeah. Thanks for having me. We were just saying when you came in, it's good to actually sit down and chat and not see each other in, oh, hey, passing, meeting, okay, see you ships later. In the night. Yeah, yeah, right. Passing Pass, in the hallway. Passing ships in the, yeah, <laughs> passing ships in the hallway. Um, so thank you so much for coming in. Uh, now, obviously, we know each other well, but... Uh, for a little bit of context, because this is this isn't just you coming in for a special visit. This almost feels a little bit like returning. I can imagine homecoming. Yeah. Homecoming, yeah. <laughs> uh, can you give uh, the people a little rundown um, on why this feels like a homecoming and where you are now? Sure. Well, for five years, I was the coordinator of the Catholic Office for Youth and Young Adults, which is the umbrella office for ArchD, and so I've spent many years listening to ArchD in the next room, record shows, and sometimes <laughs> lending my voice every now and then. Yeah, this isn't <laughs> yeah, your first rodeo. No, but this is, yeah, it's great to be back, and it's wonderful to be in this space. And Yes. To, yeah. To, and we were just yeah. having a little bit of a gander next door at what was the office that oh, has now been vacated. moved out. Which, uh, can I just say, not yeah. to put you on the spot, but maybe just a glimmer of just a little oh, in your corner little, of your eye. Yeah, a little, little sadness, <laughs> so a little moisture. <laughs> 15 years and uh, and things are all changing and happening and moving around here. So what does it what does it feel like to be coming back? Does it feel I, like we had, for example, Holly on the show who worked mm, with you for, yes. uh, while you were here um, and she was saying she came in and she pulled into the car park and instinctively pulled into the car park she parked in every single day. It just <laughs> felt like muscle move. That. I yeah, don't know. That yeah. was a premium car park. Yeah, she <laughs> Very she got true. here so early. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She gets the pick of the litter. But uh, mm. does, it, does it feel like you're on autopilot when you walk back in the building? Sometimes. Sometimes, yeah, because I, I forget to go check in at the registration desk mm. and uh, I just, because I, I still know the code to get in the building. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to remind myself, oh yeah, I don't work here. Although yeah. I, I'm still strongly connected yes, in my current yes. job to this work and, and to this place, but I don't, I don't, think I don't work in the office anymore. I don't think anyone's horrified that you know the pin. It's not, I'm, I'm, I trust <laughs> that you're not coming in and messing through our dress, uh, desk drawers. No, 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 no. I'm just changing um, uh, formatting on documents and that kind of thing, just to mess with people. So. <laughs> I swear that was blue yesterday. What is going on? Wait, this is indented three spaces now. <laughs> What happened? <laughs> oh, the subtlety. I love that. Uh, well, it's amazing to have you in. Um, we're going to be chatting about, it's all, it's all about you today, Peter. We're going to be chatting about your experience uh, in youth ministry and in faith, which I know you have a wealth of. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to get into that and we're going to start with a conversation around your faith journey, which I don't think you and I have ever talked about before. So I'm really keen for this next part. <laughs> and now... Michaela, joined here by the lovely Peter Beerer, uh, having a chat about, like I said before, it's all about you today. You're in the spotlight. Can you feel it shining down on you in all of its glory? It's very hot, very warm in this space. (laughs) I don't get called lovely very often, so this is... (laughs) Is there a reason or should we not look behind that door? I don't know. I don't think it's... Yeah, it's not the word that's associated with me. I don't know. I'm a nice guy. Yeah, no. (laughs) I swear, I'm a nice guy. As soon as someone has to say that, you're like... Hmm. (laughs) 
so like I said, having a chat all about you today. And the first thing I want to talk about is how did your faith journey begin? And the best way mm. I like to describe this is if you imagine your faith journey as being like one long bookshelf with two bookends, I suppose one bookend hasn't been put down yet, let's hope. Uh, but at the beginning, <laughs> that very first bookend at the very first, uh, you know, those early, early stories, what would be the very first one for you in your life? Yeah, well, so I grew up in a very um, faithful, spiritual, religious home. Both my parents were uh, had personal encounters with Christ in their own life that w- was deeply impactful on them. And so by the time they met and fell in love and built a family together, uh, their faith was already really important to them. And so uh, my parents tell the story that while I was in the womb, they were praying for me and they had scriptures that they would read over me. You know, so they had this really deep faith. Wow. So from the beginning, even before the beginning, I guess I was I was already going to be born into this home. Mm. And I mean, a lot of people would have that experience and uh, have some sort of rebellion or, or want to push against that because they felt it was forced on them. Yeah. But the way my parents raised myself and my siblings, it was very invitational. And we had this uh, ability to, to make the choice for ourselves as we grew up from the very beginning. But I remember uh, one of my earliest faith memories is um, going to my parents belonged to this prayer group that would meet in the church basement. And uh, this Where is back in the U.S. Yeah, prayer groups meet in the basements of churches. Right. And, and it was an eclectic, interesting group of people. You know, they had a community garden. They grew vegetables and they fed each other and they fed people in the community with wow. it. It was just a yeah, beautiful, probably idealized in my, um, yeah. my mind. Uh, I know how communities work. Yeah. Uh, but I, I just, I have this memory of these people loving each other and praying together and singing because my parents were both musicians and, you know, there was this beautiful household of prayer and music and all these people that kept coming in and out. And I remember my dad said to me when I was about six years old, do you want to be a part of this? Do you want this to be part of your life? And so we prayed together. That, wow. And ever since then, it has been such a strong part of my life. And my parents have been a really big part of that. My family's been a big part of that. Now that I have a family of my own, it's uh, how am I passing my, my love of my faith to my children? Yeah. And uh, am I allowing them the same opportunities to make the choice on their own? I don't know, on Sunday mornings, I yell at them, are you coming to mass or not? you got to get up and go to church. And... But the idea that, yeah, this has been a choice. Every yeah. day is a choice, a commitment to my faith. And, and it's been from the beginning. Yeah, wow. That, that question that your dad asked you, you said six years old. That's a big question for a six-year-old. Yeah. Do you remember at the time being like, huh, I'm six. What do you mean? Or did, did you just like, did you just get it? I, I feel like I got it or I got a version of it. And I, because I remember it very clearly. We were sitting next to my bed. Because we would pray every night. My dad would read me Bible stories every night. And and I just remember thinking, yeah, I want that. I want what these people have. Mm. It's, there's a joy. There's a community. It felt, felt so natural. Mm. I mean, I was a weird kid because my name's Peter. I knew that, you know, in our tradition, Peter was the first pope. And uh. I thought, I'm going to be the pope someday because my name is Peter. And so, of course, I need to be a part of this. <laughs> What do you want to be when you grow up, little yeah. Peter, in primary school? So, so, yeah, I think growing up, like, 
it, it was all very natural to me. And I was in this cocoon, mm. and why wouldn't I want to be a part of that? And, you know, the bigger challenges probably came later on in my life when I had to decide, well, when I realized that there's different flavors of Christianity. Mm. Uh, you know, I've, I grew up Catholic, and I'm, I'm Catholic now. But I had, uh, even within Catholicism, there's different expressions of how you live your faith. And, and I had to make some decisions growing up around, mm. well, what kind of Catholic am I? Or what, how, where do I want to put my energy and my time and my yeah. attention? And, and those were probably the more difficult you know, decisions to make. I love that. Defin- definitely not six-year-old Peter questions that he could probably answer then. Probably but, not, no. <laughs> but maybe 10 years later is when we start tackling those. Right. <laughs> I love that. And we're going to do a little bit of a time jump in the next part of the show and do a couple of steps forward and talk about uh, the next step for you in your journey as well and get into some youth ministry stuff, which like I said earlier, you've got an unbelievable wealth of experiences in. <laughs> Hey, this is Emma. Hi, I'm Zach. Hey, everybody, this is Matt Marr. That's Tom. That's Raleigh. And now... This is Arch D. Arch D Radio 107. 7, 9, Live. Live. <laughs> <laughs> sitting down having a chat with, uh, again, I uh, just keep going to say the lovely Peter Beerer. <laughs> now I feel like I'm uh, somehow offending you by saying that. But no, you, I'll no, take it. You're, I'll take you're it. lovely. No, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> you're very lovely. Uh, we uh, just had a little bit of a chat about where your faith journey began, which we were sort of having a bit of a laugh about in that song, was very, very early for you. I said, don't know that many people get any earlier than in utero experiences with God, but mm. hey, the earlier the better, I guess. But wasted no time on that one. Uh, but what I want to talk about now is um, your first experiences with youth ministry, but specifically when did you first realize that youth ministry would go on to become such a huge part of your life as it as it has today? Because I feel like a lot of people experience youth ministry um, from like a participant point of view, but there, there's got to be some moment, like maybe a transitional moment where you go, I see this being more for me than just participating. Mm, yeah. Yeah, because I was a participant in youth ministry. So my high school had a chaplain, mm-hmm. Sid McGee. He just passed away a couple oh. of weeks ago. He was, uh, he was so he was a retired guy who would come in and do youth ministry things with us and um, took us on trips and oh, wow. you know we went to uh, did service projects, all this, all the things. Um, and then there were some churches that I would go do youth ministry things too with uh, as as I you know got older and um, but as a as a young person, when I was first discerning ministry, I thought for the longest time I was going to be a praise and worship leader professionally. Mm. And that's what I, because in the U.S., that's actually a career path you can take. Wow. And, <laughs> uh, and so I was, I was studying music and, in university and I was writing songs and I was, you know, going around to these different groups and leading worship. And I had a, a, a prayer group that I participated in as a worship leader and, and that's just what I thought was going to be my pathway. Um, then I, t- I decided to take a year off of uni and come to Australia with the National Evangelization Team. And uh, it's a youth ministry, traveling youth ministry team. And there was a group that was stationed in Adelaide. And so I got sent to Adelaide. This is, yeah, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I was the music leader, which I thought, of course I am, because that's, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Yes, that's what I do. Um, but then I also was one of the team leaders. So there's two team leaders for every team, a male and a female. And uh, and during that year, I 
began to experience, oh, this is what, this is another version of youth ministry than what I had experienced. Mm. And it's really, I'm enjoying it. It's really retreat based. It's kind of fun. And when I went back home after that year, uh, my university didn't let me in because I had defaulted on a loan. (laughs) And so I needed a job. And so I went to my parish priest and I was like, look, I just did this year of uh, volunteer youth ministry. Um, I actually had to pay to do it. Uh, oh, really? Wow. I'm really happy to to volunteer here in the parish, or if there's any work, let me know. He goes, well, our youth minister uh, just resigned. We'll pay you to be a full-time youth minister for a year. And so I was like, all right, I'll give this a try. Oh. And and so I still had the back in the back of my mind, I'm going to be a worship leader. This is just a this is just temporary a 12 gig. Month thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and so I did... I did it and I fell in love with it. I was like parish life, like where I was with one community for an entire year. I got to know the kids, but more importantly, I got, I got to know their families, got to know their school life. I, I met them week after week, spent time with them and, you know, got to uh, share my passion for my faith with them and learn their passions. And after that year, I went back to uni because I paid off my loan and, uh, <laughs> Uh, continued to study. But then a couple months later, the parish called me up and they said, we'd like to have you back. Would Mm -hmm. you come back and be our permanent full-time youth minister? You can still study and do all the things you need to do. And so uh, I did that. But all the while continuing to think, I'm just going to be uh, a worship leader because I recorded an album and Mm -hmm. I did all this stuff, you know, and I thought this is just, um, this is how I'm going to pay bills for now. Yeah. Not that it paid well, but it it paid enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I don't know how many years later it was, but I I read this book. I was really struggling with because you know youth ministers tend to be the the lowest person on the ladder, mm. uh, and I was I for some reason became kind of obsessed with this. Like why uh, why did I choose this job that's like the lowest of the low in the church? Because <laughs> mm. Kids are always pushed off to the side. Yes, we love kids. We always want young people yeah. to be a part of the church, but let's not really take them seriously. It's like an afterthought. It's a lot of work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of work. <laughs> and so, uh, but I was reading this book, and it was um, it was about vocation and about coming to terms with where you are and who you are. First of all, as a child of God, and what you do is an outpouring of that you know, the gifts that you might have, but it's not necessarily your full identity. But there was a point in reading that where it's like, you know what? I'm actually really good at this. And I love this. I love spending time with young people. I love working with them to discover their passions, their vocation, what gift they have for the church. And I can't really imagine myself doing anything different in life. And this is just probably what I'm meant to do and who I am. Mm. And so uh, what I ended up doing was going and getting a th- master's in theology in, uh, with a focus on pastoral ministry with young people and continuing down that path. And I moved to another church where I worked for another few years. And I, I just started really, uh, I think, diving into this identity. So it was after probably about eight or 10 years of being a youth minister that I was like, hey, I think I'm a youth minister. <laughs> You wake up one day and go, how did I get here? Yeah, and then I I came here and and ran the diocesan youth office, which, you know, I never thought I would do anything like that either. And 
that became such a, a joy and a gift as well. Yeah. And this ability to work with youth ministers in across the diocese to help them be better youth ministers, which is the whole point of yeah. um, the work. So, Get to yeah. be the resource that you wish that you'd had or the support that yeah. you wish that you had, the guidance you wish that you'd had, you know, as the being the person who's been the one on the ground right. going, you know, yeah. I'm down here all alone, somebody help me. Well, sometimes. and I had lots of mentors and teachers and people along the way, which mm. I, you know, I, uh, I wouldn't have gone any further without their their support or their encouragement. Yeah. And they saw something in me that obviously took me a longer time to realize, yeah. oh, yeah, I've got a gift for this. This is okay. Eight I years later, this. you're yeah. like, am I a youth minister? They're like, yeah, dude, we could have told you that eight years ago. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Like, thanks for the heads up. <laughs> uh, but it's, yeah, it's, it's all that discovering what is your calling and like who you are, mm. it, it, you know, stems uh, from that identity in Jesus and in Christ. And then how, what you do, your vocation, your charisms are gifts of the spirit meant to be shared for mm -hmm. the good of the community. And it's different for everybody. And I think, you know, that, that self-discovery for me took a long and windy path mm. or of, of acceptance of, Oh, mm. this is what I'm good at. And, and it wasn't so much a, oh, I'll just give up and continue to do this so much as it, it like planted a whole new energy and joy in my life once I discovered this is what I do and what yeah. I'm good. Yeah. yeah. What, what my giftings are. I love that. I want a great example of like, you know, realizing and knowing what you are meant to do or where you're meant to be. It doesn't have to be like that, that light bulb moment. It can be a slow journey and that's okay. And yeah. you know, take your time yeah. and enjoy it along the way. Uh, we're going to be chatting uh, after this a little bit more about your youth ministry journey and uh, specifically some of your favorite moments or your favorite highlights. <laughs> And now... Right now, it is that time of the show where we're going to take a little look into the uh, gospel verse of the week, which this week comes from Matthew 28, 16 through 20. And Peter, we were having a chat about this before and I'd sent you the question and you'd gone, hmm, what verse is this from? <laughs> and then we sat down in the studio and then he went, I think that's the wrong one. And you were absolutely right. Uh, so, and I, I said to you, well, just, you know, what I'm saying is James wrote that down. <laughs> James. So, so what I'm saying yeah. is it's not my fault, it's his. Um, but we've corrected and we've arrived at a place. Uh, so my question for you here today, Peter, is when has there been a time where someone you admire in youth ministry has passed down to you a mission which you had to go and achieve on your own? And how did that feel? Yeah, so... Um, when I first arrived as the coordinator of the youth office here in Adelaide, um, I had a meeting with the archbishop who was then, um, Philip Wilson and, uh, and the former, my, the, my predecessor. So Sarah Moffat, mm -hmm. who I now work with in my new role very mm -hmm. closely. Um, and so we went out for lunch and I remember the archbishop looked at Sarah and he said, show him the thing. And it's like, well, no, what thing? what thing? So she slides this piece of paper across the, so the table. It was really interesting. I flip it over and it's this proposal for uh, world youth day, 2019. And typically a diocese youth office, you know, will uh, put together a group of pilgrims to go to world youth day, wherever it's being held in the world. Mm. That year was meant to be in Panama and the archbishop, was like, I don't want to go to Panama. 
There's bugs in Panama. It's unsafe. There's political unrest. All those things. I love the list of things. It's like political unrest and all of that. But bugs was bugs. number one. Uh, bugs was, in Panama. It's humid and uncomfortable. I don't think that was the top thing. But he just said... What, I don't what, like yeah. So yeah. he said, what, what we'd like to do, what we've decided is that we'd like to give more young people an opportunity to experience World Youth Day mm. here. There will be people from Adelaide that go there, but we'd like them to experience it here. And for it costs a lot of money to send a group of 24 people, which is mm. all that we typically were able to send. And he said, let's give a thousand young people that experience. So I'd like you to put on a World Youth Day festival. And come up with a plan, come up with a program. We want to have amazing speakers and musicians, and we want it to feel like a party, a festival. Mm -hmm. And so I walked away from that, and I was like, oh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put on a big festival. And so then um, James and Holly and uh, the Youth Council, the Diocesan Youth Council, and all these other people... Uh, Maz, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like we worked together to to put on this um, massive festival for young people. It was held at Sacred Heart College in 2019. We had almost a thousand young people participating in it. We had great speakers and great musicians, and had all the things that he had asked for. And it, it was such a, a, an amazing experience of oh, this is really hard, mm. and. I've never done this before, but together we could do it. And we came up with this. It was, it was really daunting and kind of scary. There's this big budget that we could use. And, but some of us had never done that before. I leaned heavily on James for his event management skills yeah. and Holly for her, uh, her skills in organizing and connecting people. And, and it was, uh, it ended up being this incredible experience that people still talk about as being a really important moment in the life of the church in Adelaide for young people, mm. uh, following on from some other big things that had happened, um, previous to that. So I think, uh, one, Archbishop Wilson's trust in us to be able to do that. And in me as the one who was leading the office. Um, and then the fact that it was successful altogether opened up some new possibilities in my own thinking about my capability mm. and and what it was that we could do with our ministry to and with young people in the Archdiocese of Adelaide. Um, and there was a, a lot of trust in the Holy Spirit that things would <laughs> <laughs> turn out the way they did, and, yeah. and it, it, it worked. And it worked, it worked. Um, and uh, this was, uh, you were just talking during that last song about like, well, which story should I tell? In mm. And I was like, tell that one, because uh, we're super excited. And of course, you're a part of that, that World Youth Day is happening again locally this yeah. year in August for the first time since 2019. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. And so, I, I don't know, I, we're a little bit, we're, we're well and truly in the game, I suppose. But I'm just, I'm really interested in tapping in on that um, experience of doing big events as someone who, you know, has never, um, had never at the time done it before. Do you have any advice for people out there, maybe working in youth ministry um, mm. in, in different capacities for like, okay, you're taking on these new things. You've never done it before. A lot of expectation. Um, yeah. What's your greatest advice for people out there trying to achieve something like that? I think, well, the most important thing is you're not alone. Don't do it by yourself. You know? So um, I think I'm a big believer in, in my years of ministry in 
no one person has all the gifts or all the capability to do everything. So uh, I, you know, I leaned very heavily on other people's skills and abilities mm-hmm. and ex- experience. And uh, I think when you try to do everything by yourself and you don't pull in the advice of a lot of people or even yeah. the the physical labor of a lot of people, you're going to burn yourself out and you're yeah. going to, you know, you have the potential of the, the thing failing mm. or, uh, or just not being what it could be. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, for this, uh, uh, something like an event, um, I think events are really important and really helpful and powerful. Um, but they're just an event. It's a, it's a day in the calendar, mm. you know, or a couple days in the calendar. And so, uh, if what you're doing though, is opening up, uh, with this, uh, collective of people who are working alongside of you opening up a possibility for young people or for your audience to to discover something new and to experience something new to cross a threshold in a sense to a new stage in life a new reality a new understanding of reality then then you've done something good but if you're um if you're just doing it like all right you know we've got the musician here the musician's going to do the musician thing and then we've got a speaker and the speaker's going to do the speaker thing yeah. and then we've got pizza over here and you got to eat all the pizza <laughs> and uh, you can get really caught up in the yeah yeah the myopic um realities of it and but what you really want is to be able to hold the whole experience and yeah. to see where what is this the purpose of what we're doing and mm-hmm. how is it taking people across that threshold. Mm. And what a good message as well to like, even when you're in this chaos of like organizing and this and that, I mean, James always tells a story about um, an event that he did where he got a call like 10 minutes um, out from someone running a workshop and they said, we need 60 spoons. And he was like, (laughs) okay, I'm going to go find 60 spoons. Where do I find spoons? (laughs) (laughs) You know, you get those kinds of phone calls. You get those kinds of questions and things that you're all right, I'm on the ball. I'm moving, I'm moving, I'm moving. But just to take a second every now and again and just go, oh, look at this. Like, look at what we're doing right now. This is awesome. So, (laughs) uh, But yes, perfect segue. We've got World Youth Day coming up this year in August. If you want to find out more about that, head on over to Koya's website, which is cafyouth.com adelaide.org.au for all of your um, updates and infos and we'll be chatting about that in the weeks to come as well because it's all happening it's all very exciting <laughs> hey this is emma hi i'm zach hey everybody this is matt Marr. that's tom that's riley and now this is arch d arch d radio 1079 <laughs> <laughs> michaela joining you here this evening sitting down with peter beera peter that's about our hour up. Time flies so quickly. So fast. So fast. Um, thank you for coming in and having a chat with us today. We've talked about uh, your faith journey and all of your experiences in uh, youth ministry over in the US and in here in Adelaide as well. Um, if you want to go and check out the, uh, the, the the entirety pretty much of this interview, you can go and check out the podcast version of this show wherever you get your podcasts. Just look for RHD Radio. Um, but uh, last thing I want to ask you to close us out, Peter, is... Something we haven't talked about yet, which seems ridiculous, is uh, where you are now. And so I want to know, because of all of your experience in youth ministry over the last 20 years, you said, what do you think the biggest thing that youth ministry has given you is and how does that lend itself to the work that you are doing now? Yeah. So, okay. So my my current work... um my position title is assistant director of pastoral life and mission for the archdiocese of Adelaide. 
That's a tongue twister. Trying to figure out what that means. <laughs> um, but basically, it, it, I, I'm part of the, the leadership that helps to oversee all the ministries and the work that supports parishes and communities. Um, goes into schools as well. So mm-hmm. I have connection with Koya still and, uh, and some of the other, ArchD and all the other, the other things that I used to be a part of. I'm also the chair of the Council for Ministry for Young People, so I've got um, connection to the work of the youth office through there as well. Uh, I think, you know, one of the things that youth ministry does is uh, that's different from probably other ministries in the church is that it's a snapshot of the whole of the reality of life, but just for a particular age group. And so you're dealing with... um, how do I pass on this message of faith to young people, but also how am I listening to the needs and the realities of young people in their social, family, school lives? You know, so they're the, you're not just dealing with, uh, did they learn their um, Ten Commandments and, mm. you know, uh, are they, you know, doing so many hours of service work or that kind of thing. But you're really engaged in the, the whole of the life of the person with a group of young people. And so it's like a sliver of... Uh, of the whole church, but encapsulated in the lives of young people, you know, how, whatever, however you define young people. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so all of that experience and all the things that you, you do in youth ministry prepare you for, it prepared me certainly for uh, thinking about the whole of the church. And so that's a big part of my job now is with my colleagues looking at the entirety of the life of a person and the reality of the work of the church and the mission of the church in this part of the world. Mm. And through youth ministry, uh, I was lucky. I was given all sorts of other opportunities to, um, to share, you know, what I was learning or my experiences, but in broader context outside of youth ministry. So I got invited to different groups and councils and, um, you know, different educational opportunities or conferences where I get to share what I was experiencing uh, and be a part of some consulting and discerning and all that. And so I got to learn from other people through, through that experience as well. And I feel like a lot of that has prepared me for um, this bigger picture thinking, Mm. looking at all lifespans, looking at the mission of the church and where we're, where we're trying to, to head and how we're listening to the spirit through the lives of people and um, you know, all of that. So yeah, I don't think I could have done this without youth ministry. And interestingly, um, uh, my colleague, Sarah, who I mentioned earlier, yeah, she ran the youth office, you yes. know, and uh, for, for nine years before, uh, before I did. And yeah. um, a lot of people prepare for, especially in the church, a lot of people prepare for more senior level pastoral roles by starting off in youth ministry because it's it's a good entryway into mm. understanding how the whole thing works and yeah. how to be a responsive pastoral person. Yeah, yeah. And I think, like, as I remember, because you were here, obviously, when I had started around sort of a couple of years later, uh, and 
I still do actually remember us sitting down in the room next door and you going, so I'm leaving. And <laughs> <laughs> how uh, even then I was like, oh my goodness, I don't know, like, you know, who's going to replace you with all of that stress and blah, 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 blah. But we were so sad to, to, to see you go. But I think truly the Archdiocese has gained an amazing leader. And I think you're so right in talking about Sarah as well in so many, how great is it that people who go on to work in different spaces bring with them that youthful mindset thinking about young people because I think that is just so important for mm. the future of everything we do in yeah. the church. Well, you know, Pope Francis in Christus Vivit, he says, uh, the church is young. It's eternally young. And it's mm. young because of young people. Mm. But it's also if if we become old, you know, mentally, spiritually, mm. in all those other ways, then we, we kind of get crusty and angry and upset and yeah. nothing can change and, you know, we can't move. And so the the i guess the gift of young people and the gift of having a youthful mindset uh, is what keeps us nimble and limber yeah. and like able to yeah, yeah. to move adapt and, yeah. and change and all of that that's i think that's the moral of the show everyone out there stay youthful <laughs> stay young <laughs> Uh, if you want to, like I said, check out the rest of this amazing interview or any of the others that we've done so far, we've done one with uh, the previous Koya team member, Holly Roberts, as well. You can go and check that one out um, wherever you get your podcasters. Look for RGD Radio. Hopefully, we've got one coming up soon with Sarah Moffat as well. So listen out for that one. She will be fabulous. I just cannot wait for that one. We are here every week with a brand new podcast version of the RHD show. You can check out all of our other podcasts, including the latest school life content on our website, archdradio.com. And you can find us on social media at RHD Radio for heaps of behind the scenes stuff. Or you can catch the show when it airs on Life FM every Wednesday nights from nine, every Saturday nights from 10. And we will see you again very, very soon. Bye.